Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. We live on the edge of a precipice, on the edge of a cliff. We can go one way or the other. We can fall one way and we're destroyed, or we can get saved, hopefully, and we'll fall on the flat at the top of the cliff. Uh, It all depends on whether Donald Trump continues to be our president. He has placed us in this position. He has placed most of the world in this position with his abnormalities, his way of operating government. The man does not know what he's doing. He doesn't understand basic things. I don't think he's that smart. He may have a college degree, but he's not that smart. Uh, In any event, we are in trouble. Uh, The selection that's forthcoming is very important. Uh, I don't know which way it's going to go. We are a split country, 50-50. We could come back with Donald Trump as president again for four years. It would be a disaster, an absolute disaster. Guaranteed war, big time. Uh, I hope we don't have a war of any consequence between now and the election. It could be a big-time war. And it causes me deep concern, and it should cause you deep concern. Uh, Tonight's the Democratic debate. I don't know who I like amongst the candidates. Each has a contribution to make. Joe Biden's the most experienced. I haven't known personally. I think he's a very good man and qualified. Uh, but there are others. Uh, Emmy, or what's her name? There, uh, Warren and Sanders, they both bring something to the table. The thing that bothers me about these three, though, is they're all old. <laughs> uh, I'm old. Uh, and I don't know how a man 77 or 78 years old can handle being president of the United States. Uh, I find it difficult to get out of bed some mornings. It's hard work. Anyhow, that's the story there. Pompeo and Munchen, the Secretary of the Treasury, uh, are out there on behalf of the President this past past few days, and they're justifying, justifying the killing, the assassination. It wasn't a killing. It was an assassination of Soleimani. Uh, They don't come up with the proper reason that they killed him. They talk about this imminent danger, and they can't come up with an imminent danger. Uh, now we're close to getting into the impeachment trial. We'll probably be into it in the Senate within two weeks. Uh, my understanding is the papers have gone over from the House today. Uh, the Senate has some things to do. Uh, the Senate has announced three of the attorneys who will be defending the president. Uh, The fourth spot's open, and it seems that the spot is open because Giuliani wants to be one of the defense attorneys for the president. And i got to tell you something, because I do want to see him impeached. Uh, Giuliani would make a fine attorney for him. He's gone. He's mentally gone. He was a fantastic, fantastic attorney when he ran the U.S. Attorney's Office. He was the the mayor of the United States, not just of New York City after 9-11. The man had a tremendous career. He's lost it. He's lost it. You can see by the way he does things. He's lost it. Uh, And he's not a very good lawyer. 
and he can do nothing but harm the president if he is one of his defense attorneys. Okay, tonight we're going to do a little traveling around the world. We're going to go to California, Chicago, Iran, Washington, Haiti, Puerto Rico, China, Italy, Germany, Iraq, and Toledo, Ohio. I never get to all these places, but they're there some night. I can cover them all and do in time. All right, let's start tonight with uh, something that I think is terrible. I think it's disgusting. I must be getting old. I am old. But it, it just doesn't fit me right. California came out, adopted a sex curriculum, a sex curriculum. It was directed at eighth graders. And, well, they, California said they're young teenagers, which they are. Uh, but let me tell you some of the things they were going to teach in this uh in this sex curriculum. I'm laughing already. Uh, how about this? Anal sex? Big. Anal sex is big. Every school's teaching anal sex all over the world who teach uh, uh, sex to kids. Must be big today. I didn't even know what it was when I was their age. Bondage. Sex. Sex involving blood. Uh, and, the, and masturbation. They teach masturbation. Now, of all the things that are natural in life, whether you're a boy or a girl, it's masturbation. It comes to all of us at some time. We discover it, and boy, when we discover it, oh boy, it's, it's the thing, and we can't do it enough every day for several years, again, whether you're male or female. And it's not unhealthy, and all the kids talk about it with each other. Uh, so you know what you're doing. You don't need an education in the classroom about masturbation. Uh, It's that simple. All right, the title of the book is Sex, capitals, X-E-X, S-E-X. Some experts, juvenile sex experts, uh, say that uh, this type of book has become increasingly normalized in more progressive school districts, has become increasingly normalized in more progressive school districts. Now, I don't know what that means. I've read this several times in the last few days, that quote. Uh, Does that mean that more and more schools are teaching sex education in grammar school? Uh, Or does it mean that the kids are doing the things that are being taught more and more in grammar schools? I don't know. Uh, There is a kinky sex chapter in the California book, Kinky Sex, Uh, and it includes some of the things I already told you, but it also includes role play, restraint, uh, uh, body fluid sex. I'm not talking about the blood sex. I'm talking about body fluid sex. Use your own imagination. And sex toys. Uh, The uh, people in California, this book got printed. They had a curriculum. It was approved by the school district, the superintendent. Uh, the books were given to uh, the curriculum, or the chapters were given to the parents, not the actual book. And all of a sudden, there was an uproar. Uh, the parents said, what are you, out of your mind? And they made such a furor over this thing, the backlash, that the curriculum, the sex curriculum, the book itself was pulled from the teaching materials of the California schools. And I think that was a wise move, because I think some of these things are just 
you know, I would have liked going to school and learning some things I didn't learn when I was a little bit older, maybe high school. Uh, but along the way, we all learn. And I don't know, I don't think many of us learn badly. We all survived learning. Uh, it was a pleasurable experience learning. Uh, so what do I know? Now let's go to the United Kingdom. Uh, there's a town called Warwick. It's a local school, Warwick in the United Kingdom. They are now teaching six-year-olds. This is first graders. Six-year-olds, okay, how to masturbate. What the hell is this masturbation thing? All of a sudden, it's a big deal. Six years, they're not even masturbating any of them at six years old. They're not getting the urge to masturbate at six years old. But they're, they're teaching six-year-old kids uh, how to masturbate. Can you imagine the boys and the girls going home, you know, cl- closing their bedroom door or the bathroom door and playing with themselves? Six years old. Ridiculous wrong. Um, in Austin, Texas, Austin, Texas, grade six to eight, grade six to eight, they're teaching anal sex. Grade six to eight, they're teaching anal sex. Now, does this mean that our young people are practicing anal sex? Uh, I've read sometimes, but not that frequently, that young kids are doing that in order not to uh, have the problem, situation result in a pregnancy. I don't know. But I guess I'm old-fashioned. I don't approve of all this. Not in the way it's coming down. California has another problem uh, that I find difficult to accept. Uh, And it has to do with their suspension policies. Now, students could be suspended, okay, for willfully disobeying a teacher. Willful disobedience. Willful disobedience could result in, as a viable punishment, suspension. Well, must be there are more people of color, kids of color going to school in California? I don't know. But it turned out that more children of color were being disproportionately affected by the suspensions. More kids of color were being suspended. Now, I don't know if that means there were more kids of color in the school or more kids of color in the school were disobedient. In any event, uh, there there were complaints by black groups and California withdrew suspension as a punishment for disobedience. Now, I don't know. You know, suspension isn't such a bad thing, though I never was suspended myself, uh, though I probably should have been on occasion. Uh, How do you teach respect to young people? You do something wrong, you got to know there's a punishment, and the punishment is suspension. There may be other punishments they're coming up with, but no matter what other what other punishments they come up with, they're still going to have the disproportionate issue because the same kids, and they must be people of color, are going to be disobedient. It doesn't change because of the punishment. It, change, it could only change if the kids don't behave so badly. That isn't going to change, though. So it doesn't make sense to me. Now we're going to go to Chicago. I'm going to tell you something you might know, and if you do know... I think that's terrific because I never knew this, and I've been to Chicago many times, especially on business. 
I used to do all of Montgomery Ward's work in upstate New York for years. And I used to have to go to Chicago a lot because that's the home office for Montgomery Ward. Here's the story that just broke this past week in Chicago. Chicago has coyotes. Coyotes, those things we see in the movies, you know, of the old west. Uh, They're coyotes. They're like wolves. And they've been there. They've been there for years. We're talking 40, 50 years. The city of Chicago has groups of coyotes running around. They're in the shade. They're in the dark. Most people don't necessarily see them, but they're there. I've never seen one. I probably would never have gone back to Chicago again had I seen one. Well, turns out that two people got bit this past week by coyotes. Uh, one was a five-year-old girl. I don't know where she was bitten. The other was a 32-year-old man. He was bitten on his butt, his buttocks. Uh, Both required uh, hospitalization. Uh, I don't understand it. Uh, The last recorded attack by a coyote, not in Chicago, but in the entire state of Illinois, was 30 years ago. But all I'm trying to share with you or want to share with you is there are coyotes in Chicago. They run in packs. And did you know? I never knew. A term that's been bandied about very much since Soleimani's killing, assassination. I keep forgetting it was an assassination. Proportionate response. Proportionate response. And it basically means that whatever you do to me, I can do back to you, but I can't do it any worse in retaliation. If one country bombs me, I can bomb them, but I can't bomb a greater area than they bombed. Or whatever I do can't be any worse than what was done to me. The the technical definition of proportionate response is when someone initiates an attack against you, a proportionate response is one sufficient no, it's one that suffices, suffices to prevent further attack. Now, that doesn't make sense to me either, because what really proportionate response is, and the textbooks will tell you this, it's tit for tat, tit for tat. What you do to me, I do back to you. No worse. I can do something different, but the net effect cannot be worse than what you did to me. Doesn't make sense to me. How are you going to create fear in anyone if you don't retaliate in greater proportion than you were hit? I've lived by I've lived by a code my whole life. Uh, you, you know, even as a lawyer, we fight. Lawyers fight. You know, lawyers fight. I was a trial lawyer. I was in the courtroom almost every day. We used to call the courtroom the pit, and it was a fight between me and the other lawyer. <laughs> uh, and you know, if the other lawyer pulled something on you, he shouldn't have done, uh, he knew he was wrong, and you knew he was wrong, and you were going to get him. Maybe not in that case, but in the next one or the one after, you were going to get him, and you were going to get him so bad that he would never do anything to you again that was adverse. You hit him back harder than he had hit you. Now, where'd this term come from, proportionate response? Uh, 
hard to determine. <laughs> really, it's hard to determine. We didn't have it after World War II. I don't think we had it after the Korean War. Maybe in Vietnam. I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, some people believe, some people who write on this stuff, that proportionate response came up for the first time in a television show of 20, 25 years ago called The West Wing. In the show on October 6, 1999, the term proportionate response was used. Recall this series? Martin Sheen was president of the United States. Terrific show. Uh, now, today, proportionate response is in vogue. Let me say this, too. The United Nations Charter, they tell you what proportionate response is and how you have to act with proportionate response. You have to look. The authority for proportionate response in the United Nations Charter is Chapter 7, Article 51. It isn't very long. It's more be five or six lines long, a paragraph. I read it several times. The word proportionate response does not appear, the term rather. And you want to know something? I could not understand what the hell they were talking about. I, I didn't, I, as I completed the reading each time, I didn't come away with the sense that tit for tat or something like that. It was gobbledygook. It's the only way I can describe it, gobbledygook to me. I did not understand what I was reading. So this is a screwed up situation. Let's talk about uh, some examples of proportionate response and no proportionate response. Let's go to Pearl Harbor. Suppose the United States' response to Pearl Harbor was we went out and we bombed Tokyo Bay. What a joke that would have been. They wiped us out at Pearl Harbor, and we go bomb Tokyo Bay. Uh, I don't even know if we had sufficient planes or ships left to do anything to Tokyo Bay. Our real response, our response to Pearl Harbor was Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the dropping of the two atomic bombs. All right? You say, oh, that's terrible. Well, look what they did at Pearl Harbor. So you hit me, I hit you worse. And when I hit you worse, you learn your lesson. You're never going to do that again. All right? Now, think about what I just said. Japan has neither attacked nor threatened anyone since World War II. Once we dropped the atomic bombs, Japan has become the most peaceful country in the world, okay? Think about Carthage. Let's go centuries ago. Carthage and Rome, you know, great Rome. Carthage attacked Rome. Now, you don't attack Rome, but Carthage thought they were big enough to attack Rome. And they were on paper, I guess. In any event, Rome wiped Carthage off the map off the earth. They destroyed Carthage, okay? And Carthage was nothing ever again and could not do anything to harm Rome. And as a result of what Rome did to Carthage, the term Pax Romana came to be. Pax Romano, meaning the Rome peace. Let's go to Germany. It's World War II Germany. Before World War II and at the beginning of World War II, Germany sunk our ships and declared war on us. In return, what did we do? In return, now, they sunk our ships, not all of them, they sunk ships, and they declared war on us. 
What was our response to them? Very simple. We flattened their cities. We flattened their cities. We bombed the hell out of them. We killed or captured hundreds of thousands of their soldiers, and we occupied Germany. Has Germany ever lifted a finger against us since 1945? Has Germany gone to war with anyone since 1945? Do you get my point? You've got to hit people harder than they hit you. Otherwise, you don't teach them a lesson. You do not discourage them. And that's my attitude. Those are my feelings on proportionate response. I think it's bullshit. Uh, and lo- look what happened. We kill their second strongest military leader of Iran. We kill him. We assassinate the guy. We went out to kill him. It wasn't an accidental killing from a bombing. We put that missile into his car, okay? And we knew he was going to be there. We, Everyone in the world expected uh, Iran to retaliate, and they did a couple of days later. What did they do? We killed their number two man. What did the, the Iranians do? I thought they were going to do something big. They attacked two United States air bases in Iraq with missiles. No, not one American was killed. No Americans. And some buildings were destroyed, small buildings. There was minimal property damage. Now, I don't understand, as far as I'm concerned, what happened, what happened there was not a proportionate response by Iran against the United States. It seemed very minimal, very easy. It it, it wasn't equal to what we had done by killing their number two military man. I thought, in effect, uh, that it was Iran offering uh, the olive branch to the United States, extending their arm and saying, let's talk, because nations have screwy ways or funny ways of talking to each other. Trump has been saying for months, I'm happy to talk with Iran. Well, here was an opportunity. They had hit Iran hard. We had hit Iran hard. Uh, Iran did not return the same degree of force and violence uh, against us. But what happens? Two days after the two air bases where no one is hurt, the missiles hit, uh, Pompeo and the Secretary of the Treasury Munching go on national television, and they announce they are imposing President Donald Trump wants more and severe sanctions imposed on uh, Iran, and they're going to do so immediately. I'm going to tell you something. Trump had an opportunity to resolve the problem. He started this whole thing when he threw the nuclear agreement out the window. Uh, he has put the entire world in jeopardy now, Donald Trump, the entire, and he doesn't appreciate it. All he's saying to himself, look at the big guy I am. Nobody's going to piss on me. No one's going to tread on me. Remember the Texas flag. Don't tread on me because he isn't going to take it. He's a big guy. He's a tough guy. That's why he likes all the tough guys in the world. Who does he like? Putin, the guy in Turkey, Duarte in the Philippines. He only wants to know the tough, bad guys. All right. Now, let's see. Where am I here? Trump. I want to stay with Donald Trump for a moment. Uh, I think it was the rally last week, a week ago Monday in Toledo. 
Donald Trump said a lot of things I don't agree with. But one thing, you know, he lies. They've recorded him lying or kept a record of his lies in excess of 15,000 times in three years. Something's got to be wrong with a guy who lies that much. In any event, at the rally, he claimed credit for the drop in cancer deaths. Donald Trump said, I'm responsible for the drop in cancer deaths. Well, it's true, because a few days earlier, uh, the American Cancer Society had announced that over the past 26 years, there has been a reduction in cancer deaths, a dramatic reduction. And the the year 2018 was the best year, and that's the last year they have a record for. Uh, But Donald was saying, hey, I'm responsible for the reduction in cancer deaths. The very next day, the American Cancer Society came out and said, the president is wrong. He had nothing to do with the reduction in cancer deaths. Let's talk about Haiti for a moment. Remember, remember 2010, the island of Haiti? It was January 12, 2010. An earthquake ravished Haiti. A 7.0, that's big. That's like a five hurricane. And uh, they needed help. They needed help. Initially, most of the countries in this world sent help immediately. Immediately. Trump, I'm sorry, Obama, who was president, immediately, within a matter of months, we sent $884 million in assistance over, $884 million. It was nowhere enough, but it was part of a big package that everybody had put together. Towards the end of Obama's term, uh, and this would take us into the year 2016, uh, because Trump was elected in November 2016, took office in January 2017. 2015-2016, Obama felt not enough was being done to help Haiti. I mean, these people were wiped out. So he sent thousands, I don't know the exact number, but it's in excess of a thousand, United States troops over to help these people and their rebuilding and everything, and tons of aid. Further tons of aid and in excess of 1,000 American troops on top of the $884 million. Understand the deaths from the earthquake were in excess of 100,000 people. 100,000 people plus. In fact, they could only bury the people in mass graves. There were so many. Now, the reason I go back to Haiti is to raise the question, suppose it happened today to Haiti, okay? Would Trump do anything to help them? And I'm going to tell you no, because they're people of color. They're like Puerto Rico. He ignored Puerto Rico because they're people of color. But let's go back to the president's own words. In Trump's first State of the Union address, in his first State of the Union address. He was upset because Obama had sent all his assistance to Haiti. In his first uh, State of the Union address, he pushed his America First theme, America First this, America First that, and he proclaimed his dislike of programs promoting humanitarian aid, programs promoting humanitarian aid largely at countries in Latin America. I think it was probably the first slap in the face he gave to what a, the good, a good thing that uh, 
Obama had done. But he proclaimed his dislike, I disapprove, of those programs that promote humanitarian aid aimed at helping the countries of Latin America. So that's what would happen if Haiti needed us again. Now, Puerto Rico just had another, uh, they had an earthquake, didn't they? They had an earthquake, and within 24 hours, they had another earthquake. The first one was 6.4, I think. I'm going off the top of my head. Within 24 hours, 5.8, and they had, I don't know how many uh, further tremors over the next few days. Puerto Rico is down like a hurricane went through, just like Haiti, and they're American citizens. Is Trump going to help them? He didn't help them the first time with Maria, the hurricane. Is he going to help them now? I doubt it. If he does anything, it'll be very minimal because he just doesn't like these people. And they're our people. Don't forget that. They are American citizens, which makes it even more important. Well, that's the show for tonight. Uh, I didn't cover everything I wanted to cover. In fact, I'm ashamed to say I only covered a third of my material. Uh, anyhow, I always have more ter- material than I need. I'm waiting for the night I run out. Uh, I thank you for joining me. I do a blog every morning, by the way. I keep reminding you every week. Read it, keywestlou.com. Take you two minutes to read it. If you like the show, you like keywestlou.com. If you don't like the show, don't read my blog. But if you do, you'll enjoy the blog. Uh, and if you can't listen to it uh, in the mornings, it's archived. Right away, it's archived. It's there forever. Okay, this is the end of the show for tonight. For my usual custom, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining me. I love doing this show. I enjoy expressing my thoughts to you. I enjoy the responses you send me. Uh, and I hope we're together for a long time. Good night.